Good morning, everybody. My name's Tim. I'm the senior minister at St. John's. Uh, now, I know the kids have worksheets, and kids, you might want to do those uh, if you like, uh, but we've actually got a special speaker that's come today, uh, and, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit different and a little bit unusual to what we normally do. And also, uh, some of the kids, as well as some of the adults, are actually going to be helping out with our sermon this morning and actually reading some parts uh, to help us along the way. Uh, so I'm going to go and uh, hand over to the guest speaker. Good morning. I've been asked to pop along to St John's this morning and to uh, speak to you all because I know that uh, next week you're going to start reading, uh, well, you're starting a new series, really, called uh, Faith in Action, and uh, it's looking at the letter of James, letter written by James. So I want to introduce myself. My name is James. That might create a few more confusions amongst the children <laughs> and to who the ministers in the church are. Now, I don't want you to be confused because uh, there are a lot of Jameses in the Bible, aren't there? I mean, there's uh, James, the son of Zebedee, who, along with uh, Peter and John, were kind of Jesus' inner circles, Jesus' three closest friends and disciples. I'm not that James. Then, of course, there's you know, the James, James, the son of Alphaeus, another one of Jesus' disciples. I'm not him either. No, I'm James the brother of Jesus. What's that? You didn't know that Jesus had a brother? Well, actually, Jesus had four of us as his brothers and he had some sisters as well. But if you don't believe me, how about we read a little section from Mark chapter 6. Uh, Abby's going to read that to us. It'll be on the screen as well, just so that uh, you can see what I'm talking about. accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Yep, that's right. I'm the oldest of uh, Jesus' brothers. Now, I'm sure you've got lots of questions about what it was like growing up with Jesus. I understand. I understand people are always really, really curious about this. And I can understand it because there's not a whole lot in your Bibles, is there, about what Jesus was like when he was a kid and when he was growing up? I mean, there are the stories about Jesus' birth, and that was pretty amazing, wasn't it? What with angels appearing to mum and to dad, and uh, a whole choir of angels appearing to shepherds, wise men bringing really expensive gifts. Oh, there was no doubt that Jesus was something pretty special at his birth. And mum especially really remembered those things, really stored them up in her heart, and reflected on them often. Then, of course, you all know about that incident where Jesus went missing in Jerusalem. Mum and Dad couldn't find him. They were really anxious. 
until eventually they found him at the temple where he was talking with the religious leaders, asking questions. Actually, that story sums up Jesus pretty well. He was always someone who loved God's word, read it, asked questions about it and studied it really intently. And Jesus was always obedient to mum and dad and as he grew up, he really stood out as being someone who was very wise and people really respected him and he found favour with people. But apart from that, you know, he was pretty normal. People sometimes say to me, oh, when you guys used to go down to the river or to the lake and you'd be going for a swim, did Jesus used to show off by walking on water? None of that. Or if you were sitting at the table and you're all having a drink of water and all of a sudden you realise everyone else is drinking water and Jesus has turned his into a glass of fine wine? No, that didn't happen either. It was fairly ordinary stuff, which is why when Jesus started his ministry, came back to our hometown of Nazareth and started teaching and doing miracles, people didn't accept him. People took offence at him because... They thought they knew him. They thought they had him sussed out. They thought they knew everything about him. He was just a carpenter. His brothers were just the four of us and his sisters too. You might find that hard to believe that people had that attitude to Jesus. But you know what? I can't really blame the people of Nazareth for their attitude because my attitude was pretty similar too. You see, I haven't always been a believer in Jesus. I mean, obviously I've always believed that he existed. He is my brother after all. No, what I mean is that I didn't understand fully who he was and what he'd come to do. I certainly wasn't interested in being his disciple, following him, giving my life for him or anything like that. And in actual fact, when he did start this public ministry when he was about 30 years old, when he started gathering disciples to himself, teaching about the kingdom of God, performing miracles or signs which showed that God's kingdom was breaking into the world. To be honest, me and my family were worried. That was our reaction to what was going on. Um, Here, how about we read from Mark chapter 3 and uh, Quinn's going to read us just a couple of verses. Then Jesus entered a house. And again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Well, that sums it up pretty well. You see, rather than believing in him, wanting to follow him, we thought he was acting pretty crazy, to be honest, with all these people crowding around him so that he couldn't even eat couldn't even sleep, uh, had to constantly try and get away on a boat with his friends to get a little bit of peace and quiet, people following him wherever he went. Um, I mean, it was all getting out of hand. We were all really worried about what was going on. We tried to come, we tried to take charge of him to get him to come back home, but of course he didn't want any of that. And as Jesus' popularity grew, it wasn't just people who liked him and wanted to be with him, But actually a lot of opposition started up against Jesus as well. The religious leaders, especially those uh, religious heavies, were looking for a chance to kill him because his teaching uh, challenged them 
and uh, he was really threatening their power. So we were caught in a bit of a bind, you see. I mean, you couldn't doubt that Jesus' teaching was very powerful, very authoritative. And you couldn't deny that the signs that Jesus was performing were, were real things. He was doing real miracles. Um, but it was becoming increasingly dangerous for Jesus, especially to go anywhere near Jerusalem, because that was where the power of the religious establishment was. But at the same time, if Jesus was actually going to actually gain a real following, then that's where he needed to go. If he was going to achieve something, get people to follow him, Jerusalem was the place to be. So there was this time when my brothers and I really felt like we needed to sit Jesus down and have a good talking to him. We're going to read that too. That's in John chapter 7 and Tim is going to read that to us. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see your works, the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. It's true, you know. We didn't believe in him. I mean, I could see what he was doing was special in some way. There was something different about him. But I didn't understand who he actually was and what he'd come to do. And I certainly wasn't interested in following him. Of course, you know what happened next. I can see that you've got a big cross hanging in the front of your church, so that's obviously pretty significant to you as a church community here. Jesus died on the cross. That was one of the hardest times in my life. All of the concerns that we had, all of the worries that we had about Jesus, the madness of what he was doing, the antagonism of the leaders who hated him so much. In the space of a week, people went from cheering him and waving palm branches to shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they did. And all our fears were realised. I was devastated. We all were. I don't know whether you've lost someone that you dearly love, but you know it is awful, just awful. My brother, Jesus, was dead. And we thought that we'd lost him forever. So I guess you want to know, what is it that changed me? If I was someone who didn't believe in my brother Jesus, what made a difference in my life? What brought me to a position where I believed in him, having not believed before? What changed me from a situation of sadness and devastation to joy and purpose in my life? Well, it's the same thing that has brought a change in many of you, I'm sure. And the fact that you're all here together today shows me that you know something about this. I mean, why are you all gathered here today? Why aren't you all offered Bunnings instead? There'll be one of those opening in Jerusalem anytime soon. Why aren't you off playing sport or having brunch in a cafe somewhere? Why are you gathered here in this building 
with a whole bunch of other people? Well, the answer is simple, isn't it? Because Jesus is alive. He's alive. The cross wasn't the end of the story at all. No, on the first day of the week, when some women went to the tomb, they found that Jesus wasn't there. Jesus had risen from the grave. That's what you celebrated together two weeks ago on Easter Sunday. But it's really what Christians celebrate together every Sunday, isn't it? Every Sunday, every first day of the week, we remember that Jesus is alive and that the fact that Jesus is alive changes everything. And that's what changed me. Now, of course, when people started saying, Jesus has come alive again, I didn't believe them. I mean, would you? Dead people stay dead. But there was no denying that the grave was empty. Jesus' body was not in that tomb anymore. Even then I had a few theories about what I thought might have happened. But then I saw him for myself. That's what you heard in our Bible reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul makes a list of people who saw the risen Jesus and in that list are five wonderful, wonderful words. Then he appeared to James. I saw him myself. He appeared to me. I wasn't dreaming. He wasn't a ghost. It was really him in the flesh. And finally, in that moment, I realised who Jesus was and what he had come to do. Jesus, my brother, was actually the Son of God. He was the Messiah, the great King that God had promised to send into the world. Jesus' resurrection from the dead demonstrated that all the things that he had taught and all of the things that he had done were absolutely true. And they were all part of God's plan to bring his kingdom into the world. The fact that Jesus was alive showed me that the cross wasn't a disaster at all, but rather it was part of God's plan to save people. Again, as Paul put it in the Bible reading that you had this morning, Christ died for our sins. That was the reason that Jesus went to the cross, so that our sins could be forgiven. And he conquered death and is alive today. You know, often reflect on the grace and the kindness of Jesus that he was willing to appear to me and show himself to me after the resurrection. I mean, here was I, his own brother, who didn't believe in him, and yet he gave me a second chance. He didn't give up on me. He appeared to me. He forgave me and he enabled me to start following him. Isn't Jesus gracious? He did the same thing to Peter as well. He was Peter who had denied even knowing Jesus despite being one of his closest friends. And yet Jesus appeared to him as well, forgave him and offered him a chance to keep following him. Same thing for Paul as well. And again, this was in our reading. Here was Paul who had persecuted and killed Christians And yet, the risen Jesus appeared to him, gave him a second chance, forgave him, and gave him a task to do for Jesus. Well, I guess that's the point of Christian faith, isn't it? I mean, Jesus doesn't wait until we're good enough or our faith is strong enough and say, yes, you've met the grade now, you can become a follower of mine. Not at all. Jesus calls us wherever we are in our brokenness, with our doubts, 
and he says, I know all about that stuff, but I love you. I forgive you and I want you to follow me. So really what I want to say to you all this morning in the short time that I have with you is that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Jesus really is alive and that makes a difference. As I know you say when you gather at Easter, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And that fact changes everything in our life. It sure did for me. And not just for me actually, but for my whole family. You see, after Jesus had risen from the dead and gone back up into heaven, when there's a list of people who were gathered to be part of that early church, who do you see who gets named in that gathering? Well, Kay's going to read it to us from Acts chapter 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Well, I told you there was a lot of Jameses in the Bible, didn't I? And there were three of them all in one verse, and I wasn't even mentioned by name. I'm there at the end. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We were all there together, part of that group which was about to change the world as we told people about the risen Jesus. Despite originally not believing in Jesus, I was included amongst one of his followers. And you might know if you've read on in the book of Acts that I actually got given a fairly important job to do. I became one of the leaders of the early church, actually the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And alongside people like Peter and John and uh, Paul and the others, we went out and we shared the good news of Jesus, Jesus risen with the world. And I had an important role as a leader of the church in Jerusalem to care for God's people in that particular place, helping them to grow, to be more like Jesus and to follow him in their everyday lives, which was especially difficult for that church because we faced a lot of opposition, a lot of suffering and a lot of persecution. And in fact, the church there got scattered and people had to leave Jerusalem and go to other places, which is why I wrote the letter that you're going to look at next week. Um, as the church was scattered due to persecution, I wanted to write to these Christians and to encourage them in their faith. I wanted to help them to live for Jesus in all of life, every day. You see, because the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, it needs to change every part of us as well. Not only does the resurrection of Jesus show us that Jesus really is who he claimed to be and we need to follow him, but actually it means that we need to bring every aspect of our lives under his kingship, under his rule, and follow him in every way. That has implications for the way we speak, for the way we treat poor people, for how we, how we face trials and difficulties in our life, 
how we go about making plans for the future, how we pray and many other things as well. Everything needs to change because Jesus is alive. It's about faith in action. That's why I wrote my letter and I hope it will help each of you to live more and more for Jesus in all of your life. Jesus really is alive and that changed me and it needs to change all of us and make all the difference to every part of our lives. James, the brother of Jesus, who became known later on in the church as James the Just, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James was actually stoned to death in Jerusalem in 62 AD when the high priest Ananus uh, took an opportunity between uh, Roman leaders. There was a three-week break and he called James and a few others followers of Jesus together on on a charge that we don't know and had them stoned to death. So his journey from being an unbeliever to a believer to a leader of the church transformed by the resurrection of Jesus, actually ended in his death as a martyr, proclaiming the message of Jesus, the risen Lord and Saviour, even though it ended up costing him his life. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that the message of the Gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again and is alive and ruling today, is a real message, it is a personal message and it makes a difference in real lives. We thank you for James and for the impact it had on his life and we thank you that it had an impact in our own lives as well. Please help us to take this personal message personally, to sit under it and to be transformed by it in every aspect of our lives and we ask this For Jesus' sake. Amen.